Good morning. Welcome to First Christian Church. We're glad that y'all are here with us this morning to worship. Um, if you're a guest with us, we want to extend a special welcome to you. And we would invite you to um, stop out at the Start Here table out in the lobby, and we have something for you, and we'd love to connect with you. And if you'd rather, you can um, contact the church number, text the church number, and just let them know who you are. We would love to just get to know who you are and answer any questions that you have. Um, if you're newer to the life of the church, we want to invite you to join us next weekend for a class that we have called First Steps. Um, that's just a great way for you to get connected, to meet other people, and to um, and find out information about the church. So this morning, um, we are entering into um, worship together, um, and it's the final week of our Nehemiah series, and I don't know if you've been following along, but... It's our prayer that God has been speaking to you through this series and calling you, putting things on your heart um, in ways that he wants you to further pursue him. And so this is kind of a special service um, this weekend. It's different. Um, it'll be different than probably what you're normally used to. Some different worship elements involved, some kids involved. Um, so we want to invite you just uh, to listen to this passage from Nehemiah chapter 12. It says this. It says they offered great sacrifices that day. And they rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. So just like in the book of Nehemiah, they come to the end, and they're celebrating, and they're so joyful that the, the noise, the celebration could be heard from far away. We're inviting you in that same spirit to worship with us today with great joy. So if you're able, why don't you go ahead and stand with us, and we're going to sing and celebrate what God has done.
It was a divine burden of Martin Luther, the 16th century church reformer who said, sola scriptura, uh, which is a Latin phrase for scripture alone. That was the cry of the Reformation to make sure that the church was re-anchoring itself in the scriptures. And a foundational theme that we see in the book of Nehemiah is the return to the scriptures, that the idea of scripture as the authority on all things is not new in the 16th century, but something that has been true in the scriptures about the scriptures throughout the scriptures. And what I love about Nehemiah specifically is as they read and they commit to God's will and ways in his word, uh, that they then celebrate this reality with music, with choirs, with singing. And we see this all throughout chapter 12, towards the end of Nehemiah, that we see uh, singing mentioned eight times in that chapter, Thanksgiving mentioned six times, rejoicing mentioned seven times, musical instruments three times, and uh, we see all this in Nehemiah chapter 12. So for example, verse 27, it says it this way, that the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem uh, was to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals and harps and lyres, which is not what you think it is, it's another stringed instrument. Uh, he says also, verse 31, there were two large choirs to give thanks, and so what we see here and really throughout the scriptures is that praise is almost always linked with music in the Bible, uh, both instrumental and vocal together. And uh, Martin Luther, again, who brought reform to the church by rerouting our theology in scripture alone, he also said that next to theology, he says, I give to music the highest place of honor, second only to theology. And he goes on, he says, quote, how is it that it has happened that the secular field, that they have so many fine poems, so many beautiful songs, while in the religious field, we have such rotten, lifeless stuff. And if any man despises music, as all fanatics do, he declared, uh, for him, I have no liking. Uh, for music, it is a gift and a grace of God, not an invention of man. Thus, it drives out the devil and makes people cheerful, that one forgets all wrath and impurity and other devices. You know, it's with that understanding as to why we give such excellence and our best to everything we do here on a weekend in the worship experience here at First Christian Church. Uh, it's why we have an arts academy as part of our life and ministry of the church to raise up future musicians and singers and artists and worship leaders in the church, not just our church, but for the church at large. You see, art and music and creativity, it, it finds its origins in the creator, not in the culture. And we could say that it's our job as the church to tell the culture who, I think according to Luther, uh, and really if you look about like, what music is most listened to in our culture, they seem to have the market cornered on the most popular music and art, that we have, you could say, this responsibility uh, to stand in contrast to the culture, proclaiming that the creator has called and he wants his creativity, his music, his art back. And so it's why we give our best as we and plan and take part together in worshiping who our God is because he is worthy of our worship. And so we see this continue uh, in verse 43. It says that that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children, they also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. And do you notice how it doesn't say that the singing was heard, but that the rejoicing or other translations say that the joy was heard. And so when it comes to the way that you sing when you come to church, would you say that the joy is heard in you? Uh, like how is it that you sing when you sing at church? And maybe you'd say, well, I don't, you know, I'm, I guess I'm pretty good at folding my arms and maybe pretending uh, to be interested or kind of this you know, impression of a statue or something and listening to other people sing. Uh, but I gotta say, honestly, it's probably most of us fellas here that uh, I have stood next to you at some of your kids' sporting events and I know you know how to make a joyful noise when there is something worth celebrating. Now look, I'm not trying to make you into someone you are not when it comes to singing, but if who God is and what he's been up to in your life and what you desire for him to be in your life is worthy of your worth, then I would challenge you, don't check out because quote, I don't sing. Uh, but figure out how do you dial in, check in and give your attention, your heart, your mind, your voice to God and giving credit and glory to him. 
we see worship, it, it continues throughout chapter 12, verse 44. It says that uh, in this way that at that time, men, they were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions for first fruits and tithes. And so first fruits and tithes and offerings, uh, it's why when we talk about tithing and giving and generosity, that we always speak first that it is number one, an act of worship. It is demonstrating that our worth is not in our finances, but uh, in giving back to God uh, a tenth, that's what a tithe is literally, uh, a tenth of what he has blessed us with, and then through other offerings, through other opportunities to give in the church and outside of it, to demonstrate that not just with our voices we trust God, but with our finances as well, that our worth, our trust, our security is in God alone. And then in verse 40, it says that the two choirs, that they gave thanks and then they took their places in the house of God and then Nehemiah says, so did I. And so did I. And so today, we have a worship service that is focused on da, 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 worshiping God, on praising God, on thanking God for who he is and what he is up to in our midst, in our lives, in our world. And as we do that, uh, as we, you know, encounter the choirs and the singers and the musicians, and we've got the Arts Academy dance class who's going to be with us, uh, just taking place here in the house of God to worship God. May you be able to say, just as Nehemiah did, so did I, that when it comes to the worship of God that you would not leave this place without being able to say, worship God? Yes, so did I. And so with that, let's join and worship him. Let's stand and sing. Let's, uh, we have this opportunity to put into practice what Ryan just talked about, so let's sing.
together.
grab a seat. I mean, come on, those kids are cuter and more talented uh, than I will ever be. And uh, our Arts Academy dance team is about to come out, which means you're not going to hear a single word I say here in a second, and that's okay. Uh, my feelings won't be hurt, I promise. Uh, when you came in, uh, a couple things we just want to make sure you're aware of. When you came in, hopefully you got one of these cards. If you didn't, you can get one on the way out. And if you're in the East, hopefully you got one as well. And those online, uh, you can always find this information and much more on our website, firstdecatororg slash what's happening. Uh, this card is kind of just promoting all the things we have kicking off this fall. As you know, in the life of our church, the fall is a very crazy season. There's lots of ways you can get plugged in, get connected, find ways to grow and serve together. And we're going to be talking more about different ones in the weeks ahead. But we want to highlight this weekend, men and women's mentoring. Uh, if you are newer to the life of the church, if you're newer to faith, and you're not really sure how to get your feet underneath you in this whole following Jesus thing, uh, maybe you've been around church for a long time. Maybe your faith is feels a little stale or you're not really sure how to make it fresh in this season, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, uh, mentoring is a great place for you. It could be a great next step for you. It's a way for you to get an intentional relationship with someone that can encourage you, challenge you, pray for you, help you figure out that next step in following the ways of Jesus. Also, a couple more ways that you can grow together next weekend. So next Saturday is our next men's breakfast. I know you're disappointed, no bacon costume. This time I stood up for myself. Uh, had a backbone, uh, but they're still gonna have a lot of fun. I had a great time at the last one. I was so encouraged. They had a room full of guys. There's a lot of fun, fun games, fun food. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk again at this next one, just a little bit from my heart on what it means to be a man of faith. So we'd love for the men to be there uh, next Saturday. And then tomorrow, or tonight, tonight, uh, August 7th, is our family fun night. So from 6 to 8 p.m. tonight, we're gonna have inflatables, free Mr. Softy. It's gonna be a good time. We'd encourage you, anyone, all ages, come on out to free event. We'd love for you to be a part of that as the life of our church. Well, I'm gonna get out of the way, because I know you want me to. Uh, but we're just gonna continue in this time of worship. Because uh, everything we do, all the ways that we grow, all the ways we serve, all the ministries we have, it comes out of this heart that is an overflow of thankfulness of who God is and what he's done for us. So let's continue worshiping his goodness and his faithfulness. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glory of the splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. is good to all. 
He has compassion on all He has made. All your works praise you, Lord, and your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your domain endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. family, we go in, you could say, fits and starts when it comes to, you know, uh, getting into a particular board game. Like we'll binge on one for a while, then kind of, it's like, sorry, I cannot play sorry anymore. Uh, but one that seems to always come around again and again is the game of checkers. Uh, and what's interesting about a checker is that they all have this crown imprinted on the top because each checker, when it reaches its fullest potential is actually designed to become a king. Uh, to say those two uh, glorious words in the game of checkers, king me. Uh, but you know that if you've played the game of checkers, uh, not every checker makes it to the other side of the board to reach its fullest potential to be crowned. Because all too often, you could say the, the opposition uh, will jump them and knock them out of the game. And so today, as we conclude our series on the book of Nehemiah, a great work where it comes straight out of Nehemiah 6, chapter, excuse me, 6, verse 3, where he says, I am doing a great work, a work that comes with this divine burden, this God-given goal to rebuild the city wall of Jerusalem and to revive the people of God. He says, I cannot come down from that great work. That uh, you could say, Nehemiah, he's like, I'm a checker who's trying to reach my fullest potential to get from here to where God is leading me to go. And so just like Nehemiah, we've been asking you the question, what divine burden, what great work, what uh, is it that God has specifically for you in this season of life? Maybe it's something actually in your work that God is calling you to a, a great work in or within your family or a new ministry area through the church or to maybe it's a great work to stop something that's not beneficial, healthy, or good for you. The key is, that just like Nehemiah, just as he trusted God each step of the way to pray, to plan, and to commit, that we need to do the same. That as we sense God leading us, we need to trust God each step of the way in our commitment to what he's called us to. In fact, we're actually gonna give you the opportunity before you leave today to sign your name in representation of that commitment that you are making before the Lord that he has laid on your heart for your life here in the days ahead. But what's actually interesting about the book of Nehemiah that, you know, beyond the prayers and the plans and the work that actually nearly about half the book of Nehemiah is, it's actually all about opposition that he encountered. Uh, we see that he encountered ridicule. Uh, he encountered external threats against his work, external threats against his very life. And beyond just the external threats coming at him and the people he faced and the people faced internal opposition as well. The opposition of discouragement uh, among the people as to whether or not they could even pull this off. 
And so we see for Nehemiah external and internal opposition, uh, or you could say to use our checkers analogy, threatening to jump him and knock him out of the game. But we see in Nehemiah chapter six that they overcome the opposition. Uh, in 52 days, they complete the wall. They achieve the great work that God had laid on them to accomplish. They, you could say, reached the other side of the board. And, and here's the clincher, that for a checker uh, to reach its fullest potential, uh, to experience uh, that, that little crown that this checker was made for, whether uh, a checker achieves its created goal of being crowned as a king or not, is, catch this, fully determined by the moves that are made underneath the hand of the one who is controlling it. And so with that in mind, with whatever great work God has laid on you in this season or a future season of your life, that if it's a work worth doing, you will likely uh, encounter some external and some internal opposition. But whether or not you see this God-given burden, this goal come to fruition, whether you get from this side of the board to the other side of the board without getting jumped and knocked out of the game is fully determined by the one who moves you, who makes the moves underneath the hand of the one who is controlling it. It reminds me of 1 Peter chapter 5 where Peter says, therefore, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Throughout the uh, story of Nehemiah, we've seen that all the people, the whole nation, they play a part, they have a role in this great work. The men, the women, the children, they all participate. We saw in Nehemiah 12, earlier, right, as the choirs are gathering on this wall, we see the men, the women, the children, they're all taking part in this worship of the great thing that God has done before them. Uh, we see in Nehemiah 9.5, it says this, it says, let us stand together and bless the Lord our God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. So in a similar act of worship, uh, I'm actually gonna invite you to stand with me if you would. And we together, all people, men, women, and children, uh, we're gonna actually say together some of these words from scripture, the words from God. We're gonna do some of it together and some in different parts. But would you start, would you all read aloud this with me? You are the Lord, you alone. You have made the heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. Men, would you read this next one with me? Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Women, will you read this with me? God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies bow down before you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Students and kids, join me as we read this together. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deed toward the children of man. Come and hear all who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. Man, let's read this next one again. I cried to him with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. Women, read this with me. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And students and kids, once more, let's read this together. But truly, God has listened. He attended to my voice of my prayer. And all of us in one voice, let's read this. Blessed, Blessed be God, because he has not rejected our prayer or removed his steadfast love from us. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. You may take a seat again. So I came across a headline recently that read, Colorado Springs man makes history by being the first person in the 21st century 
to push a peanut with his nose to the top of Pike's Peak. Just some funny things that we choose to celebrate in our culture. Well, I am thankful today that we have given our attention, our praise, our worship to that which is certainly worth celebrating, and that is who our God is, his word, and the great work that he has called you to in your life, uh, which are, again, are all themes that we see throughout the book of Nehemiah. But a significant surprise that we encounter is how Nehemiah, how the book ends that the people that despite all their worship and commitment and return to the word, that in the end, they actually fail to uphold those commitments. Uh, we've got 12 chapters of essentially like, let's go, and then it fizzles out at the chapter 13 mark. And it reminds us that there must be something more, there must be a to be continued, that we've gotta look more forward in the book, like the book, like the Bible, as to how is God and his sovereignty going to continue to unfold his ultimate divine plan. And when it comes to, you could say, a rebuilt city uh, with rebuilt walls and rebuilt gates in Jerusalem, we can be reminded uh, of, of prophecies that came before Nehemiah's walls and gates were actually rebuilt. Like in Isaiah 26, where Isaiah says, uh, we have a strong city, uh, and of course, we're thinking immediately of Jerusalem. Uh, but God, through the prophet Isaiah, he goes on. He says, God makes salvation its walls and ramparts, which means fortified and strong. It says, open the gates that the righteous nation or the righteous and faithful may enter. You see, throughout the Bible, the Old and the New Testament, the city of Jerusalem, it it's always a sign of something, of something bigger that's coming. Uh, not uh, a city with literal walls, but uh, walls, you could say, of salvation that protect us from sin and death itself and gates, not with the purpose of keeping people out, but to invite uh, people in, to invite them into salvation, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, to together, as we see all throughout the New Testament and Jesus and his letters and uh, written to the churches and all these different things, to be, we are citizens of heaven, not of a physical city, but of a spiritual city, of a heavenly city, as Jesus said, not of this world, but from the world above, Jesus says, uh, which comes through now. What we now know, what Nehemiah and the people of his day did not yet know, uh, is that this Nehemiah, he points us to, you could say, uh, the ultimate Nehemiah, who is Jesus, uh, who not left just Babylon and a palace there at the risk of his life, but in Jesus, he left, you could say, his perfectly heavenly palace uh, to then come and give his life, to give his life for the forgiveness of all our sin and all our stuff, to make him Lord, uh, leading a whole new life as we pursue his will and ways. And so Jesus and the church in the New Testament, it shows us that the way that we express, you could say our yes to Jesus, is through water baptism. Uh, in fact, going into next weekend, we're gonna be celebrating friends in the life of our church who you could say are expressing their commitment to Jesus, expressing their yes to Jesus through baptism. That when you express your yes through baptism, uh, I've heard it said this way, that baptism is what transformation looks like in public. It's a public profession of our faith. That rather than a not now or a not yet or not me, uh, it's where you say yes to Jesus. Uh, you know, I think about Paul's conversion where Ananias to Paul says, you know, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. Now, don't misunderstand, there's, there's nothing magical about the water. For baptism at the church baptistry, it's not like we're flying water in from Rome or Jerusalem or something like that. And, you know, baptisms at the lake, uh, you know, it's, it's Lake Decatur water. It's like, we maybe should be praying for the folks who have to get in it. Uh, and so there's nothing fancy about the water, but it is what Jesus modeled. And baptism is what the scriptures tell us to do upon putting our faith in Jesus. Romans 6, it speaks to how we are spiritually committing. We are, you could say, participating in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. That just as Jesus died and buried and rose to new life, that we too, we are participating, dying to self, dying to sin, burying that, and rising to a new life led by him. 
And then maybe there's those of you that as you think about this, it's like, what about those of you who maybe perhaps come from a tradition where you were, say, baptized as an infant? You might ask, like, does that compete with that? Well, no. Baptism upon your own profession of faith, it actually, it completes that. Uh, that when your parents baptized you as an infant, they were declaring, you could say, their intention that you would follow Jesus. And now you can complement that with your own confession, your own commitment that Jesus is Savior and Lord of your life. Baptism by immersion upon a profession of faith in Jesus is what we see modeled in the New Testament church in the scriptures. And so we're excited. We already have many people who are planning to participate and you can join them too. Uh, this next Sunday, August 14th at 1.30 in the afternoon, right here, right in front of the beach house here at Lake Decatur, where we will be celebrating baptisms of which you could be a part of. And so whether you are, you could say getting baptized on the 14th, or maybe you've already been baptized, declaring Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know, each week you could say, in a similar way that baptism is what we might call like a, a big way to participate in what Jesus did for us. That each week through a smaller and simpler act, uh, it's through communion that we participate and remember what Jesus did for us. And so I'm gonna invite you to participate here with us uh, by taking uh, your communion kit here in the West Auditorium or in the East Auditorium or by grabbing something to eat and drink at home to remember uh, what it is that Jesus did for us that he gave us uh, his life through his body given, which we remember as he taught us to through the bread. So I invite you to take the bread with me right now. As Jesus said, this bread is my, or this, the bread is my, uh, my body given for you in the same way, it says this cup is my blood poured out for you. And to do this, to do this all in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. And so would you drink now in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. Amen and amen. Let's stand um, and sing together one last time this morning.
out our time together today we recognize that just because the structure was built just because the wall was there didn't necessarily mean that people's hearts were changed uh, as Brian has shared in a couple different ways we see throughout the story of Nehemiah that the people they had an initial reaction to hearing God's Word and seeing this great work being done but many of them later kind of went back to some old habits so today, as we wrap up not only our service, but also this series through Nehemiah, I wanna invite you to consider what is that commitment that you're going to make? As Brian said just a few moments ago, like we all have a part to play in this great work. What is that next step for you? What is that commitment today that you feel that you need to make? What is that area of your life where you've been feeling some conviction or maybe some calling? Maybe as he said, it's something that you need to start new. Maybe it's something that you need to stop that's been around for a while. What is that place in your walk with Jesus and your relationship with Jesus that you need to take that next step? You need to make a commitment today to further in this lifelong journey of following him. You may have noticed over the last several weeks, some walls have been going up, some around our building. There's a couple here in this space. There's some out in the lobby. And we've kind of saved some time at the end of our service today for you to take a few moments to consider what that commitment is. And then you can visibly signify that commitment by signing your name in Sharpie on one of these walls. So again, what is that next step for you? What is that commitment that you need to make today before you leave our service together? There's some people at the different walls, both in here and out in the lobby. So we'd love for you on your way out, take a few minutes, consider what that is and then sign. It may seem like a little thing just to sign your name, but we know that taking that step to kind of do something tangible, it makes a world of a difference as we make this commitment. So take a few moments, consider that, and then sign one of those walls if that's something you need to do on the way out this morning. And until then, we'll see you next week.